you've ever wondered if there's more you're not alone in that we all explore every day in small ways and big we find ourselves reinvent ourselves define ourselves publish our lives we find ways to stand out and ways to blend in we meet people that remind us of us and people that remind us of who we want to be and people that just make the journey that much more fun we connect and share We learn from each other and grow together. We celebrate and mourn side by side. We push our limits, challenge ourselves, fall down and get back up again. Our days are long and our nights get short. We put in the hours in the hope of building something that lasts, 
And at the end of the day, find joy in the fleeting things. We want to squeeze all the life out of life and hit pause on moments we wish could last. Put simply, we want to live. And along the way, discover all we can, experience more, and find out who we really are. For all our searching, it's rare to find time to think and talk about the big questions of life. About faith and reason and God and meaning. But exploring is good. We're built for it. That. Did you guys hear me? Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. We're looking forward to a great morning together. Now, if this is your first time visiting with us, a special welcome to you. We're going to be here for about 70 minutes. We're going to sing some songs with the band, and the words will come up on the screen overhead. As well, Pastor Joe is going to be speaking to us today, and you can follow along with the sermon notes that are in your bulletin. Following the service, we would love to connect with you out in the foyer, grab a coffee, and chit-chat. Or if you just want some time to reflect, or have some time just to, just to have someone to encourage you, we'd like to keep the place here in the sanctuary a quiet place for that sort of thing. Thank you so much for coming. Oh Lord, I pray that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Deserve. The 
Jesus. And our God is good. He is a good, good God. He's a good, good Father. Love so undeniable, I 
have the ushers now. Sorry about that. Where are our ushers? Please. We still need you to stand, eventually. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you give and you keep on giving. We thank you for what you have given to us so that we can give back. And uh, we thank you for this place, for this building, for all that we're able to do through the work of this church. And as we give this morning, may we give with a cheerful heart, may we give knowing that uh, you will uh, never leave us wanting. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you rain in me again? Oh. 
Thank you. You may be seated. good Christian isn't always easy, especially when it comes to other people. Nevertheless, it's your job to make everyone else happy. That's right. You are responsible for the happiness of everyone else. Being a people pleaser is a big job, but if you follow these handy tips, you're sure to get it right. Tip number one, smile. Nobody likes a sourpuss. Turn that frown upside down and be happy whether you feel like it or not. Tip number two, be agreeable. Your answer is always yes, unless you're asked, is something wrong? In that case, your answer is always no. Tip number three, always put everyone else's needs above your own. This is your opportunity to play the role of a martyr. Seize it with gusto. Tip number four, stuff your anger. Emotions can be volatile and unpleasant. The best way to eliminate anger is to ignore it completely. Tip number five, avoid confrontation. Conflict is a people pleaser's worst nightmare and a sign that you're obviously doing something wrong. See, it's simple. With these handy tips, you'll be a people pleaser in no time at all. And don't forget the people pleaser's motto. If somebody's unhappy, it's all my fault. Concludes today's sermon, and you can head home. All right. Some of you, did you cringe when you watched that? Because you're like, yeah, I apply all those rules to my life, and that's where I live, and that's where I breathe. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time today and talk about a little bit of the craziness. And if anything, this sermon is definitely for me, and it may be for a couple of you here today. But throughout my life, I've been stuck on an island. I've been stuck on People Pleaser Island. And I've been consumed throughout big chunks of my life with just keeping people happy, having my parents' approval, having my siblings' approval, having the congregation's approval, having youth groups' approval, having my boss's approval, having other family school teachers and other people's approval, being accepted, fitting in, fitting into society, not causing a ripple. I could go on and on. And in my own life, I would say, because some of you know I struggle with some chronic illnesses, I would, I would almost 100% guarantee the reasons for my chronic illness is because of my people-pleasing. And I don't know if you're in that place today, but I am sick and tired of being a people-pleaser. I'm sick and tired of being consumed too much with what people think. And sometimes I don't even know who I am. And when you've done it for so long, all you are are a collection of the experiences and expectations of others. And so today, we're going to escape from People Pleaser Island. Can I get a hurrah? All right, yeah, is that worth one clap? Fantastic. Don't do it because you're feeling pressured to. Okay? Don't do it. Don't do it. But first thing here, bless you, very first thing here is very common problem that makes us all crazy is approval addiction. Very common problem. And some of us are suffering with that and we're fighting and we've been fighting it for years. The writer of Proverbs says this, it is dangerous trap. Actually, can we say this together? I don't want to peer pressure into something, but can we say this together or have it come up on the screen? It is 
a dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Scripture tells us over and over again that we're supposed to live what way? And this is where I got screwed up. We're supposed to live and serve other people. Christians are supposed to do what? Serve others, love others. Uh, If someone asks you to walk a mile, walk two miles. Christians are to lay down their life for others. Christians are to love their neighbors. Christians are not only just supposed to be second, we're supposed to be last. We should be fighting on Sundays for who's going to be last to leave the parking lot because we're so courteous. And ever since I've been a child, I've been taught Joe, a good Christian, serves, lays down their life for others, will do anything to keep others happy, satisfied. Why? Because you might win their approval. You might be able then through that to point them to Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with the approval of others and seeking the approval of others because it is one of God's gifts. It's something that, but it's something that can be misused, and this is where I've screwed it up. Just like food, just like sex, we can take one of God's gifts and distort it and abuse it and not handle it correctly. So what I'd like to do today is I want to talk about five reasons why you need to avoid this trap. If you're already, if you're not sure if you're caught in the people pleaser trap, we're going to talk about the trap, and then we're going to talk about the antidote. We're going to talk about the escape. So first thing is here, let's talk about what the trap looks like to look out for traps. Number one, why should we? Because it causes me to miss God's purposes for me. It causes me to miss God's purposes for me. You can't be what everyone else wants you to be and be what God wants you to be. Did you hear that? You can't be what everyone else wants you to be. You can't be focused on what everyone else wants and be focused on what God has called you to be at the same time. Paul writes in Thessalonians, our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of the heart. So you got the first one? It causes me to miss God's purposes for my life? Okay, second one, second trap. It keeps me from growing in my faith. It keeps me from growing in my faith. So here's the deal. If God is big in your life, people will become smaller. If God is big in my life, people will begin to have less power. John 5 says this, you try to get praise from each other, but you do not try to get praise that comes from the only God. So how can you believe? See, when God becomes diminished in our lives, people begin to influence us, and people become of greater influence in our lives than God is. And God and people, they can't be equal-sized in your life. One's going to outweigh the other one. So what matters more to you? God's approval or people's approval? And we can become disabled in our faith when we make what people think more important than what God thinks. And people-pleasing can totally disable us. Third one here. Third trap to avoid. It leads me to sin. It leads me to sin. What's the number one thing that teenagers struggle with in high school? Peer pressure. What's the number one thing most adults struggle with? Peer pressure. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. It doesn't change at all. Exodus 23, uh, the writer says, Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. And we could do example after example from this, even from Scripture. It could give you example after example of, of how Peer pressure can lead us to committing sin. Think of Pilate. If you don't know too many stories, but you know the Easter story. Pilate, governor of Jerusalem. And he's uh, doing the trial one day, and in comes an innocent man. He's sure he's innocent. He even says he's innocent. But he changes his mind because he wanted the approval of the the people. Uh, A few hours even before that, One of Jesus' best friends is a guy named Peter. Peter sees Jesus get arrested and taken away. Peter follows kind of stealthily behind. 
And when he uh, kind of gets to where Jesus is being held, people keep coming up to him and saying, hey, aren't you one of his followers? Aren't you one of his disciples? And three times he says, nope. Why? Uh, we, could, we could go tons and tons of examples. Uh, Joseph, way, way back, thousands of years ago, Joseph and his brothers. Uh, Joseph comes to visit his brothers. His brothers take him, throw him in a pit. And they decide we're going to kill him. They change that idea because we're like, hey, we can make money off this guy. So instead, they decide to sell him to some traders. But there's one brother, the oldest, who's like, no, 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 I'm going to stealthily try and get him back to, to dad. But instead, they just kind of go along with the flow. Uh, another famous example, um, there's 12 spies. When uh, Moses leads the people out of Egypt, they come to the promised land. They send 12 spies to spy out the land. They all come back. Ten say, nope, can't do it. There's giants. It's too scary. We'll have bedwetting tendencies. We, we can't do this. Two say, let's go take the land. And the ten are so pressured. They're like pressuring the people, pressuring the spies. We'll kill you if you don't go along with it. And the people follow the wisdom of the ten. And probably the most famous example, even though you may not know it, one of the most well-known one, because he even says, I did this so the people, um, so I could please the people, is this guy named King Saul, first king of Israel. And uh, God, the prophet, comes to him and says, when you go and you conquer this land, destroy everything. Don't bring anything back. Don't bring any wealth back. Don't bring any animals back. Don't bring any kings back, any people. Get rid of it all. Obliterate it all. He ends up bringing stuff back because he was afraid of the people. In what area of my life, of your life, are you caving in to the expectations of others? The writer of Proverbs says this, Dear friend, if bad companions tempt you, don't go along with them. Uh, a few weeks ago, the elders had been memorizing verses um, it's one of the things we do to torture each other before elders' meetings. And, it, and it's been a wonderful experience. But one of the verses that we've all committed to memory is Psalm 1. Great verse which says, uh, praise the man, praise the woman, praise the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Man, peer pressure leads me to sin. Leads me to people pleasing. Fourth one here. Fourth trap, it causes hypocrisy. It causes hypocrisy. Jesus says this, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men, women, all of us, is detestable in God's sight. So when hypocrisy comes into our lives, we become actors. We wear masks, correct? And so... Wherever we go then, we have to put on that, mat, that mask. Because some of you start school this week, whether it's Tuesday or what have you. You're going to go back to school. And, and, and for some of you, because of peer pressure, because of maybe the, 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 the culture you've created for yourself, you're going to have to put on your school mask in order to fit in. You've got to, i got to take off my rich few mask. I gotta take off my home mask and I gotta put on my school mask because my friends talk a certain way. I need to talk a certain way. My, my friends talk about certain subject matter. I need to talk about sub, certain subject matter. And, and then once you leave school, you come back home, you have to put on your home mask. And then when you come to church, you gotta put on your rich view church mask. And, and, and that's exhausting. A lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It may be your work mask. And it is exhausting sometimes. I, I, was at a, I was at a wedding on Friday, and I always find it fascinating uh, when people find out I'm a pastor, and I don't like telling people I'm a pastor, they start behaving differently. And I was at a wedding, and I won't go into too many details because it's Sunday morning, but I was in the bathroom stall, and all these guys came into the bathroom, and they all talked about how they couldn't wait to get so plastered and they're just cursing up a storm. And, so that, and also, who are they going to hook up with that night? And then I'm like, oh, do I come out of the stall or don't I? What do I do? And I, I honestly, I, like, I, I, had, I won't go into details, but I was like getting suction cup to the toilet seat because I was staying in there so long. And finally, I get up and I open the door and I got the reaction I didn't want, but they're all like, oh! 
and they're like, quick, put on the moralistic um, mask. Pastor's in the room, and, uh, and all of a sudden the language got all pure. I, and I hate it when all of you do that too. Some of you go, oh, look, pastors come into the room. My name is Joe. I'm a fallen sinner just like the rest of you who's been redeemed by the grace of God like I hope the rest of you have had. Give it a rest. I am not the moral police. But, but that mask, you had to throw their mask back on. And we do that. And it's exhausting, isn't it? Which mask are you going to wear? And, 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 and in what setting? And what mask are in? And it's so tiring. It's exhausting. And Jesus here in the passage I read, he knew the tendency of the human heart. You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So when we wear masks, we compromise, don't we? We're not whole. We're not real. Instead of the truth, what do we do? We do things that are socially acceptable. We fit into People Pleaser Island. We're trapped on People Pleaser Island. A quote, I use it a lot. Some of you get sick of hearing it from me. But the quote, and I think it's a great quote to even make a prayer of your life, is integrity is more important than popularity. Integrity is more important than popularity. May you make that this prayer this week. High school students, junior high students, people when you go back to work, maybe you're coming back from holiday, just be who you is. Because when, when you ain't who you is, you ain't being you. Be whole, be real. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, you brag about yourself, but the only approval that counts is the Lord's approval. This is how we become congruent. This is, this is how we get integrity. It's only his opinion that matters. He's the only audience that matters. It's only him that matters. We need to stop wearing masks. We need to put those masks down. And we need to avoid that people-pleaser trap. And last one here. Last trap. It silences my witness. It silences my witness. What does that mean? John 7 says this. No one had the courage to speak favorably about Jesus in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the leaders. So simply for a lot of us, by being people pleasers, we're, we're silent about the truth of Jesus and how he's changed our lives. And this has been a problem for 2,000 years. You can read through the New Testament if you want company, uh, uh, one story that comes to mind is the story of this blind man who Jesus comes along and he heals him of his blindness. And all of a sudden, the whole, the whole area is in an uproar. The religious leaders are in an uproar. Who did this? What's going on here? They're trying to investigate and, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, and they're bringing all their religiosity and moralism into this. And what's interesting is the religious leaders track down this blind, former blind man's parents. And they're like, how did this guy get healed? And his parents have an opportunity to point people to Jesus, point these religious leaders to Jesus, to not compromise. And instead, they throw their formerly blind son underneath the bus. Well, we don't know. Go talk to our son. And once again, just in case you think people-pleasing is a 21st century phenomenon, it was alive and well in the first century. Jesus says this in John. John writes this in John. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, because of the religious leaders, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Man, it's just straight outright cowardly we need to call it what it is it's just cowardly to fit in and to keep quiet about jesus who would hear about jesus if you and i had no fear if you and i had no fear who would hear about jesus i was thinking about this this week and the answer is a whole lot more people would you agree a whole lot more people, but we want so badly to be accepted and, and to be politically correct and, and not get un, under anyone's skin. So maybe some of you are here today 
and you feel like I've just taken a stick to you or maybe I've put you in the crosshairs of God's word or you're like, man, I am trapped and I am entrenched and I'm isolated on people pleaser island. Thankfully, there's an antidote. Thankfully, there's escape. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you six truths to escaping people pleaser island. Does that sound okay? Six is a lot, I know, but manageable. I'd encourage you, burn them into your skull. Write them, get them tattooed. Just don't tell anyone or you won't get, be able to get um, buried in a Jewish cemetery. Um, but remind, think about them, make them a part of your life. Because here's the deal. The only way you're going to escape people pleaser island is if you do what? You've got to change the way you think. The only way to escape people pleaser island is this thing that's between these two ears. It's got to think differently. It's got to be transformed. It's got to be changed. Paul writes in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's good news. And Jesus told us, if you know the truth, the truth will, yeah. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So I want to give you six truths to escape people pleaser island. Memorize them, know them. When the stakes are high, remind yourself, yes, those are the truths that will set me free, that'll help me get off this island. So the first one's this, how to escape people pleaser island. Number one, remember this, even God can't please everyone. Even God can't please everyone. How do I know this? Today at 1.35 p.m., the Blue Jays are playing baseball against the Baltimore Orioles. Some of you here are praying for the Blue Jays to win. I am not. <laughs> One of us are, or many of us are not going to be pleased. Many of you know on Sundays, I always pray for rain on Sundays. I don't want people to have a good time at the cottage on Sundays. I want them to be here. God hears the prayers of the righteous people. Bring the rain. There's going to be people that are not going to be pleased with God today, and it's not going to be me. God can't please everyone. I love what Jesus says here, because it, 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 it's, it's a catcher. It slows us down. Whoa, if all men speak well of you. Whoa, if all people speak well of you. Now, I'm not talking necessarily at a funeral. We all want to be spoken well of at our funeral. But throughout life, why would Jesus say that? Whoa! If all people speak well of you. Because that sounds an awful lot like a people pleaser. Someone who just went through their entire life without causing a stir, without making a ripple, and they didn't stand up for anything. And that's what he's getting at there. Even God can't please everybody. So you're off the hook. You don't either have to. If God can't do it, you don't have to do it either. Number two, second thing, burn it in here. I don't need, anyone, I don't need anyone's approval to be happy. woo -hoo! I don't need anyone's approval to be happy. John 5 says this, your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. Jesus is talking here. Your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. I don't need your approval to be happy. This is one I have to keep reminding myself all the time. Because happiness is what? It's a choice. It's totally a choice. So if you don't approve of me, I can still be happy. And a lot of us, we have spent our whole lives trying to make someone or someone's happy. Whether it's our parents or our friends or someone else. And we're so unhappy. And do you know what's impossible about trying to please an unpleasable person? Y you, you can't. And if you haven't pleased them already, you're not going to. And I still keep trying. You know, if, if, I, if I just raise my kids in such a way, if, if I just get that 
you know, I got that doctorate. If I just get that PhD, if I just do this and this and this, if I get that house, if I get that career, if I get that job, if I get those pair of shoes, if I get this or that, then maybe, maybe they'll think I'm worth something. And so many of us get trapped here. It, it causes anxiety. It kills our Oh, it kills our innards. And if I can just make them happy, then I'll be happy. And we've spent our lives trying to please unpleasable people. God is bigger than smaller people. And people need to become smaller. Isaiah writes this in chapter 51. I am the one, he says, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like grass and disappear? See, when Jesus is number one in my life, when Jesus becomes my number one pri priority, he sets me free from the expectations of others. I mean, that's worth an amen, isn't it? Yeah, he sets me free from the expectations of others. Humans, like this verse, this writer says here, humans will always disappoint you. I just married a couple on, on, on Friday, and human love, it disappoints people. You know that spark you had maybe when you first started off in marriage? It doesn't last long, does it? If you don't have a solid foundation of unconditional agape love like Jesus, marriage is tough enough without that. But human love, it fades. The writer of Psalms says this, even my father and my mother abandoned me. But the Lord will hold me close. There's one thing you can count on in this life. And it's not human love. It's not human approval. It's God's unconditional, unending love for you and for me. Third truth to get off the island. What seems so important now is only temporary. What seems so important now is only temporary. I love this quote because it's been helpful to my, in my own life, but it's this one. I think I wrote it up here. Uh, Maturity is learning that all the things you thought were important really weren't that important. That's a good one. We become people pleasers because we're obsessed with the here and now. We become people pleasers because of instant gratification. Things that you think are so important today, even in the next hour, in a week, you're not even going to remember them. A lot of the things that are high stakes, high pressure right now, won't be in a week, will they? And we get so consumed with the temporary and the short term. For most of us here, when we were in high school, maybe you already are in high school, what are the five questions that consumed you? It's like, will I, will I, will I be able to go out with Susie? I mean, you put your own name there. Uh, will I get a date to the prom? Will I pass my exams? <laughs> will my sports team uh, uh, win? And will I get invited to that party? Now, five years after high school, do you care about any of those questions anymore? Some of you do. <laughs> because high school is like the apex in your life. It was like the high point. <laughs> I'm thankful that I'm waiting still for the apex of my life. And I think for some of us here, we're also hoping for that and waiting for that. And the best years are still to come at Richview. Amen. Does it matter really years later? First John, John writes this. The world and everything in it is passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. Notice that short-term, you got to have a long-term perspective, an eternal perspective, not a short-term perspective. That long-term perspective, that eternal perspective, it leads to freedom. Uh, if, you, uh, looked, if you're a person who always looks at the news or listens to 680 News you know, 40 times a day or you listen to the loops, newspapers want you to believe that that moment is what? The most important moment ever in history. That's their job. It's to enrapture you and make you think, but you know what? Yesterday's news is what? It's garbage. It's done. It's short term. It's worthless. And we have to stop always just focusing on the short term 
but be focused on the long term, on the internal. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 16. The things that are highly valued by people are worth nothing in God's sight. The things that are highly valued by people are worth nothing in God's sight. So what do people value? Fame, success, money. Yeah. And none of that stuff matters after you die. What matters is what you became when you were here on earth alive. Your character. You don't get to take your resume to heaven with you. And like I say quite often, you never see a U-Haul following a hearse. You don't get to take those things with you. Fame, power, wealth, it makes no difference. We've got to keep that eternal perspective. Okay, fourth truth, to get off the island. Fourth truth, I only have to please one person. That's easy math. I only have to please one person. You only have to live for an audience of one. Jesus says this in John chapter 5. I don't try to please myself, but I only please the one who sent me. I don't try to please myself, but I only please the one who sent me. See, people-pleasing, it can be a form of idolatry. Do you know what idolatry is? It's the second commandment that, that Israel was given, but God says don't make idols. And back then, even the part of the thinking was don't make other images that you worship. And so most of us think we don't commit adultery because we don't make these images and bow down to them. Well, we might not physically do that, but idolatry is taking anything, whether it's bad or good, and making it greater than God. So your spouse, you can make your spouse into an idol. Your friendships, peer pressure, the opinions of others. When those things matter more than what God says or thinks that's idolatry paul writes this here in uh, Galatians 1 i'm not trying to be a people pleaser no i'm trying to please god if i was still trying to please people i would not be christ's servant so the math's really easy you only have to please one person that's easy math not a whole horde of people fifth truth to getting off that people pleaser island number five one day, and you need to remember this one. This is a toughie. One day, I'll give an account of my life. One day, I'll give an account of my life. Paul writes in Romans 14, yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. Now, remember, there's short-term thinking and there's long-term thinking. And long-term thinking is about having that eternal perspective as well. And every one of us, though, we live today, the now, you get bombarded by choices daily and you're you're being pressured to conform you're being pressured to go along you're being pressured to go along with the wave they come at you daily and you can get complacent and you can compromise and you can do things that are socially acceptable in order to be a people pleaser and you have to ask yourself am i going to be a people pleaser or am i going to please god and how do you stand firm and stand strong in those moments and I want to give you a couple things in those pressure moments. Here's three things. Here's three things I would say burn them into your head. They're so important. First of all, remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. Remember when he was on that cross. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll get, you'll, you'll get it. You'll hear it. You'll see it. But picture it in your head when you're in those moments of compromise. When you're like Peter. And you're being told, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a Christian? Or why are you acting this way? Or why won't you join with us in what we're doing, even though it's wrong? Remember that he didn't deny you on that cross. When he was on that cross, he died for you. Scumbags that you all are. Garbage that you all are, myself included fallen short of God's magnificent glory that we are. He didn't, even though we screwed him over, even though we turned our backs on him, even though we murdered him, he didn't deny us. And so when you're in those moments of compromise, when family, friends, co-workers, friends at school, whoever are pressuring you, and, and you're thinking, man, do I please them? Do I go with the flow? Do I, do I succumb? Remember that he didn't deny you. And may that picture just Rest, may, may you get joy and peace from that and remember that he didn't do that so that you would be free today. 
Second one. One day, remember one day I'm going to give an account to God. Once again, that's that eternal perspective thing. One day you're going to stand before God. And you're going to have to give an account for your life. Hey, hey, remember when you were by the, in the locker room? And so-and-so asked you that and you said, ah, I heard you go to Richview, Baptist, yeah, or whatever. Remember one day you're going to have to give an account to God. And thirdly, I like going back to this one because it's important. One is remember that integrity is more important than popularity. Be who you is. Be who God created you to be because when you ain't who you is, then who's going to be you? And you're going to miss out on God's purposes in your life. Luke 9 says this, and this is Jesus talking here. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, I don't like this verse. I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of him when I come in my glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So is Jesus going to be ashamed of you because you were ashamed of him? Seeking approval? Short-term thinking? Man, not anymore. Not anymore. Not if we can burn those things in our head. And last truth. Last truth to escape people-pleaser island. Number six. God shaped me to be me. God shaped me to be me and not someone else. And if you don't know God's purposes for your life, start today. Seek counsel. Get in a community. Grid around people. Who, God, who have you created me to be? Because all I've been doing is following my family's game plan or society's game plan, and I'm done with that. I'm going to seek your purposes for my life. Paul writes this in Romans 12. Don't let the world squeeze you into its old mold. That's people. Don't let people squeeze you into their mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. I really like how Phillips translates that. These six truths will help you escape people-pleaser island. They'll help you get free. So can we, can we burn these into our heads? Can we practice these together? Are you ready? I'll make it easy. I'll make them come up on the screen. I won't remove them like, you know, Sunday school teachers, but let's do these together. Number one, even God can't please everybody. Number two, I don't need anyone's approval to be happy. Number three, what seems so important now is only temporary. Number four, I only have to please one person. Easy math. Number five, one day I'll give an account of my life. And number six, God shaped me to be me. There is only one person in the universe who knows you, completely accepts you, and loves you unconditionally, and has a plan and purpose for your life. And if you're new to church and new to Christianity, I'll tell you who it is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So you need to get to know him. You need to get to know him and make sure that his opinion of you matters more than anyone else's. Let's pray. God, I pray for each and every one of us here. And maybe some of us, God, we've been bondaged to this island. And even today, we're like, how on earth do I dig myself out of this mess? And we're very aware that we have compromised. We're very aware we have not set up boundaries in our life. We're very aware, even though we had good intentions, um, and we just wanted to serve or bless others, um, that we have uh, just allowed these things to become unhealthy and twisted. And we've just maybe succumbed just to the pressures of the world, friends, family. We made the opinions of others bigger and greater than yours, God. And God, help us to reclaim and, and get right standing with you today. Help us to reclaim the purposes for our life. God, give us the grit we need to find satisfaction and contentment that only truly and eternally can come from you. For those of us, God, we are just trapped and pleasing. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. We have fallen for these lies. 
We've fallen for the devil's uh, um, uh, masquerades, and uh, we have just missed the mark. And it's exhausting, and it's consuming, and we aren't happy at all trying. And we can never seem to find or make that person happy, that (laughs) unpleasing person. God, help us to cast aside that idol, that idol of just seeking the opinion and approval of others. May we make you front and center in our lives. God, help us to confess anything that might just have its talons, its teeth in us. Help us to just put our eyes and our focus on you, Jesus. And God, I pray for anyone here who does not know you, not experienced the the friendship and the relationship and the eternal relationship that's only possible through you, Jesus. I pray today that they would seek you out. I pray today, God, that all they need to do is lay their burdens down, uh, confess uh, their wrongs, and receive that free gift of salvation that you offer free of charge, free of cost, and that unconditional, never-ending, loving relationship, um, free from the bondage of sin, free from the pressure of what this world burdens on us, free from those things. That escape from people-pleaser island is available only by asking. God, thanks for loving us so much, loving us unconditionally, for not denying us on that cross. And I pray from this day forward, we would be the kind of people who are consumed with you, what you think, above all else. May your name be great in our lives. May what you think be what's of highest priority. And uh, may you get bigger and the opinions of others less and less and less. Help us, God. Help us to be who you created us to be. And for those of us just lacking purpose, direction, or we're just lost, um, you've given us uh, uh, this beautiful roadmap of your word and this community. And may we do everything we can um, to pursue you and what it's like to have a healthy, vital, growing relationship with you. God, be with students this week as they go back to schools. Um, Help them. Help them to be people of integrity. And to put that integrity and that wholeness on display, not just at school, but at home, at church, wherever they go, may they be one person who's not compromising. And God, for the rest of us, whether we're at work, with family, or whatever, help us to be light. Help us to speak truth. And help us not to be serving the audience of those around us. But may you be our audience. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. We'd like to introduce uh, this song to you. It's um, simply called Savior, Please. Um, Some songs make you feel uncomfortable because the words are so clear. And uh, the more I kind of poured over this one, uh, it's certainly one of those. Um, It's a prayer in a way, um, but uh, it can be uncomfortable.
I'm just not strong enough. I can't do this alone. I need you to hold on to me. I try to be Nothing without your love. Said love, please keep saving me. Hallelujah. Everything you are to me Hallelujah. is everything I'll ever need. good enough, but I'm nothing without your love. Savior, please keep saving me. Will you stand for benediction? May you go this week reminded because of what Jesus did for you 2,000